Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Faith in Christ podcast. Woo, it has been a while. I'm your host, Michael Allen McNair, and this is our series called Christians Heavenly Crowns. I'm super excited. Uh, this is our episode two, um, and we're going to be actually doing a little bit. I'm going to speak about the agenda. I know it's been some time since we have, since I've published, but there's been so much going on as usual in our daily lives. It gets tough. Um, Things pop up, trials and tribulations, even, you know, I got to say it, sometimes persecution, but I'm grateful to God to be here. I'm grateful to God to be sharing the word of God uh, today on the podcast. So um, one of the things that we are, one of the, the episodes today uh, is called, um, It Is Not Supposed to Be Easy. Now, this is a part of a five-part series. I actually decided to extend the series because of how much in depth uh, this content needs to be as we're talking about Christians, heavenly crowns. Um, so today's episode is called It's Not Supposed to Be Easy. I want to thank you all for, for joining us on this journey. Those that are listening live, I want to thank you for being here and taking your time out. Those that will listen on Spotify at Apple, I appreciate you as well. Uh, we have a wonderful treat today. Uh, we encourage one of the things that we do here on the podcast is that we encourage, inform, educate new believers uh, and mature believers and non-believers. We want to add solutions and insights and give personal testimony to those who love God. Most of the work that we will discuss is out of the Bible and comparative to scripture. Some of the examples that the Bible gives us to shape our way forward in humanity. Uh, how does the Bible anchor our thoughts and keep us spiritually grounded while still being able to live in this world, knowing that we are not of it? Uh, we'll discuss topics in conjunction of technology, uh, nutrition, health, uh, food, education, and more. So I just want to thank you for uh, being here with me today. Now, it's a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, our Bible challenge is still in effect. Um, I'm, I always speak about this because it's very, very important to read through the New Testament. That was one of the Bible challenges that we have for those that are listening. Um, can you get through the whole New Testament? Can you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts all the way through? To revelation. Um, and then there's three questions that you should be able to ask. Uh, you can reach out to me, any of these questions at info at michaelamcnair.org for anything that you would like. Uh, this podcast will be published. Some of the mediums that we publish on are Spotify and Apple uh, and Google as well. Some of the video components will be aligned onto Facebook or onto LinkedIn um, for your viewing and hearing purposes. Uh, also, Understand that we are in a five-part series. Uh, because of some of the delays, I'm going to push up some of the content relatively fast coming out for the next few weeks, but we will get through the five-part series. Um, a little bit of our agenda today, before we step into it, is a review from last episode um, where we spoke <clears throat> in depth, and, and that episode was called Working for the Prize, but Not Salvation. I think this is really, really important that um, Christians understand that as you become a believer in Christ and a believer in faith, you know, our salvation is, uh, is finished because we believe through Jesus Christ that he took care of that on the cross. Um, now, we don't have to work for our salvation because we get our salvation through grace, through faith. We are saved. Um, now, I think it's very, very important for us to understand that we do not have to work for that. That is done. That is uh, finished by the propitiation of Christ on the cross. Um, now, there are other prizes that we will speak about. There's crowns that we will talk about um, that we receive as believers. 
but then there's also crowns that we believe that we receive as as prizes. And we're going to go through that today. So, yeah, you know, the Bible has a lot of depictions of um, of crowns being won. Right. You can win a crown uh, like a prize. And we'll go over that. We went over a little bit of that in the last episode. So one of the things that I want to go through now is just simply uh, I'll go through the review of the last episode. Well, I want to make sure that we and we'll introduce the new topic of of how it's 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 not supposed to be easy as a as a Christian and and that the Bible clearly explains that it's not supposed to be easy. We are to go through persecution, we are to go through trials and tribulations, but we are to go through those things with Christ. You probably hear that a lot of you know in the secular world, um, a lot of people speak about you know oh whether it might might be a therapist or they might go other places for other things. Not saying any of those things are bad, but see what they do is they take they take out the the Christ, they take out the God element, um, which and as a Christian, the God element is foundational. The Christ element is foundational in everything that we do. We look through a lens, just like I look through glasses to see clearly. We look through a lens, and, and my lens is a biblical lens. Other people don't share the same lenses that I have. So when they talk to me, they might be talking to me through different lenses. We all have different eyes. But my lens, when a person speaks to me, is a biblical worldview. So when people talk, they might talk to you. They might have a conversation with you. You got to realize that when you open your mouth, you are speaking about the lens in which you look through. It's very, very important that you understand that. You know, we'll get into words, we'll get into the book of James, but it's really, really important that when you open your mouth, you are telling the world who you are. So when a person talks to me, they hear Christ. They hear a biblical worldview. Yes, I'm a vessel. Yes, I am flesh and blood, right? But I'm full of spirit. And that is very, very important when we're talking about crowns. We're not, you know, this is not just, oh, this is, oh, we get crowns. It's wonderful. Yay, 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 yay. We're this. No, it's not just about that. Person with the crown gets persecuted. Person with the crown has a target on his back. Person on the crown also has an army of angels. Okay. Person with the crown also has salvation. Okay. The person with the crown also can be persecuted. So we have to remember, yes, right? We have the ability to be blessed with these spiritual crowns, but we also have to understand that we have targets on our backs, okay? So that's very, very important. Um, we're going to speak in James. We're going to talk about John. Um, we might probably going to head to Revelation, so I want you guys to get ready. And uh, before, as we are moving forward, I would like to pray as we're about to get started. Heavenly Father, oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your time with us. We trust you, we thank you, we can take small steps to seeing you. We know that you are the author and finisher of our faith. You write the words that come out of my mouth. You have said and told us the truth and we believe it wholeheartedly, without a shadow of a doubt. We might not always understand it, we might not always get it, but what we do understand and love you. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you work in and through me for the next 45 minutes of our podcast. Allow the ears to hear and the hearts to be open to what I'm going to say, regardless if they like it or not. 
Thank you for being here in my life. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those that are sick, those that need healing, those that need to come to Christ and salvation. I pray for them. I pray that you turn them from their sinful ways and point them to you. If my words can do that, thank you. If they are just the seed, then that's all that matters. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So um, as we're reviewing last week, <clears throat> right, it's very, very important that we speak about um, some of the discussions of crowns in the Bible. One of the crowns that we spoke about last week was the diadem and the stephanos. Those are two Greek terms. The diadem is the, the crown that kings got. Now, that crown was full of diamonds. And we went over that last week. Uh, we have the stephanos was the victor's crown the crown that was won uh, when a person won a prize and the Greeks. Now, it's very, very important that those crowns are separated out because there's a difference between the person that can win the prize and the person that has the diadem. King was to show um, stature. It was to, stow, it was to show um, a high-level ranking, right? The person that won the crown was ranked amongst the group that he played against but outside of that it was it was a very different thing now if you think about the diadem that person was royalty he was established priest royalty uh he would walk around he would walk different he would dress different he would wear things that were different now these were physical crowns that were laid on the head of kings and the reason why we brought this up is because we're we were in James. So those two crowns, it's very, very important that we understand that there was the diadem, the one, the royal crown that kings got. And then there was the Stephanos. The Stephanos was, say, if we were, say, you know, when you go and you, you win a basketball game or you win a trophy, you were the winner and that you were the winner. You were the number one person, the number one team at that time during that tournament. But, you know, next tournament, there's going to be another winner. See, the diadem didn't, didn't actually deal like that. There was a king, and that person's name was reigned all over the nation. And it's very, very understand. We understand that there was differences between the diadem and the Stephanos, uh, the victor's crown and the king's crown. Now, we see in James, as he was speaking to Christian believers, that this crown is given to those who persevere through trials. And we're going to go through this. Right. So you're, what are you saying? Are you saying that James, when James is talking, when we, we spoke last week, we said James in the, the book of James in the Bible. Yes, he's talking to believers and he's telling believers that you are going to go through trials and tribulations. Being a believer in Christ, but. As that you are to receive a crown. And that crown is because you're going through persevering between trials and tribulations. So if you are a believer in Christ, you will endure persecution. But see, the difference between the persecution of Christ and the persecution without Christ is God has given us grace. He's given us the Holy Spirit to go through those trials and tribulations with. As a non-believer, you have to go through those problems by yourself. And you have to feel the weight of the world yourself. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you go through those persecutions, you go through those fiery trials and tribulations, you go through them with a the helper, with a comforter, with a teacher. So your biblical view, your lens is completely different than someone else 
who is not a believer. And that starts and stems with the word of God, right? Because in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is one thing that I've talked about with many people. Um, we've had conversations and I, and I don't, you know, being a person, you know, who, who was basically, you know, bred into a family of believers, right? And, and struggled as a young kid and growing up and really just, I, I would say I focused more on the victor's crown. Um, I love to win the race. I love to win things. I loved competition. Uh, that was just who I was. I, I based a lot of my life off of it. And then now, right, as I grow in my spiritual maturity, and we see that James speaks a lot about that, um, I realize that it's not always about trying to win the, the race. And that sometimes it's more so about trying to hold the position. And, and yeah, it is kind of military-like. Yeah, it is trying to understand the world around me, but not in a rush, not in a way like there's a finish line all the time. It's not, I'm not saying it, it does, it's not supposed to happen, but it just, I don't need it to happen every two seconds. Because if we read through the word of God, you know, there are seasons. There are seasons to push, there's seasons to stop, there's seasons to sow and to reap and to harvest. So we have to understand that if you're running this rat race, of continuing to try to think that you have to get to the next goal, what you'll understand is this. First thing, you do not have the sustainability to continue it. And if you're doing it without God, you will fall and stumble. It's inevitable. And I will tell that to any person, and I can give you explanations as why it is true. And we've actually seen it now. We've already seen it in the public when we think about COVID, right? We've already seen it now when we think about every single section of our lives being changed because of what the Lord is doing. So yes, James, James speaks about these crowns, right? The Bible speaks about these crowns, but we also have to understand we have to have a biblical worldview when we're looking at it. Don't just take from this like, oh, you know, we can just do Victor's crown. And it says, oh, we got to win this prize. We got to win this prize. We gotta... No, it's not just about that. It's about understanding the Bible in its entirety and in its, in its truth. So we also review the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that has been passed down for 2,000 years that still stems to us now, right? That is a long promise. Yes, and God has promised it to us. He's promised it to those that believe and to those that showed faith. And we went through that. We went through that whole, uh, that whole entire segment. So that I wanted to make sure that you guys understand that, yes, there's a lot that's built into uh, Christians' crowns. It's not just a rah-rah, it's the greatest thing in the world. No, we also have responsibility, right? If we're being issued these spiritual crowns, we also have a responsibility. I have a responsibility, right? People that are teaching the word of God, that are, uh, that are trying to help people to come to Christ, I have a responsibility. I'm subject to persecution, and I understand that. And you know what? I'm fine with it because I know the Bible to be true. So when a person comes or, or, or something occurs in my life that is fiery or that is a trial or is a persecution, um, James says to count it all joy. It's one of his first lines to his letter to the Christians. Count it all joy. He's, he wrote this dealing with a whole bunch of Christians that were being persecuted, murdered. And the first, one of the first things he says after his salutation is, and his greeting, is count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. 
I think that's very, very important as James is the half-brother of Jesus. Having a person of that stature say that about what Christians are to get into as being a Christian believer, the things that we have to deal with. So I wanted to, to at least set the track as we are uh, now turning, we're going to be turning our wheels in, in scripture. And, and before I get started, if we can all turn to James, James 1, 12, we're going to start there. We have, we have a lot of scriptures. We have you know, some scriptures to get through today, which will be great. I think it's going to be good for you. So you'll be turning a lot, but that's okay. James, we're going to start with James 1, 12. Um, now, before we get into that, understand that scriptures give us a clear detail on factions of living. How are we to live? The Bible can tell you. You don't have to go to Google and ask Google, how are we supposed to live? The Bible also tells you, it gives you wisdom. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Okay, one of the most wisest men men in the world was Solomon. Okay, a king. Wisdom is applied knowledge. People ask you, hey, what, how, how was the world, how, how was the world come to? What did, what did the world do to come through? You can find that in the Bible. The Bible tells you in Genesis. The Bible tells you in Genesis how the world came to. You have questions like, okay, um, how, do I, how, do I, how do I know I'm going to heaven? You can read the Bible, and the Bible could tell you. There are questions and queries that we ask outside of the world that the Bible can teach us. How do I know I'm going to heaven? What is heaven? How is heaven like? What is sin like? How was this world come to? All of these questions, you actually could ask, you can you can look at the Bible and the Bible will tell you. You don't have to Google it. You don't have to look for external ways to, to, to view yourself. You don't have to ask someone, hey, why am I here? You ask somebody that and they'll say, well, because, you know, well, no, you can look in the Bible and see why you are here. The Bible tells you that. So there are queries that we have. There's questions that we have that we don't fully, that a lot of people that don't have scriptures don't get. But when you have the scriptures and you read, you find out what your purpose is. Why am I living here? What am I supposed to be doing here? All of those questions, those everyday busybody things that you deal with every single day can be answered right here in scripture. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go anywhere else. And the Bible gives us clear. Now, it's not everything that we want to hear. It's not always, it's, you know, not everybody wants to hear that they're a sinner and that they need a savior, but it's true. It's true. Uh, because we all know, you gotta, you know your thoughts. I don't know. You know your thoughts. You know what you've done, right? And, and at the end of the day, uh, just like in the Bible where certain men saw a person and thought there was a mountain, or that, that person, or that, that situation was great, God spoke to them and said, no, that situation is not great. Because God does not only see with the physical realm, he sees your heart, he sees the spiritual realm. So if that person in front of you is not right for you, if that situation is not right for you, the Lord can see right through it and can say no. Or yes, proceed and go forward. Now, now this is a very, a lot of people don't want to hear this because they think they have control over every situation. 
I tell the Lord, hey, look, my sovereignty, I know is on you. I, I don't want to relinquish that sovereignty because I know it to be true because the Lord has displayed it mightily in my life. So understand this when we're talking about um, going through persecution. And that's why, I mean, this episode is called, it's not supposed to be easy. We, we live in a world where everything in front of us has been easier and easier. Technology, extension of life and things like that have made it easy now for us to get whatever we want, whenever we want, hot or cold, at light speed. But see, when we're looking at our faith, when we're looking at us, ourselves spiritually, God does not operate like that. If a person tells you, hey, you know what? I can, you can get saved in just two seconds. Just come on right over here right now. I would be hesitant because I understand that that's not the way that salvation is meant for. God puts in the Bible process on purpose. It's not just about our own process. It's about how he processes things for us and to us. So it's very, very important. Even when you receive the crown, when you know you're going to deal with the persecution, you know you're going to deal with the fiery trial, you know as a Christian that it's not supposed to be easy. You're going to go through the trial with joy. Yes, it might hurt. It might be uh, aggravating. You might be getting yelled at. Uh, you might have been fired, uh, things like that. But if you know you got Christ, you're like, man, my salvation is taken care of. God is going to make a way. You'll start talking that way. Person says something to you about something that went on. And you say, well, I know God has, I know God's going to handle it. Boom. That's a biblical worldview. That's a biblical lens. That's not, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. Oh, I, what's going on? I have no problem. Oh, all this confusion. No, 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 no. Our God is not the author of confusion. Our God does not confuse us. That is not true. Our God gives us a clear path. It is only when man decides to move in another direction that he is confused. That is why you see the world in which we live in today. So it's very, very important on this. And we're thinking about ourselves on this planet, who we are on this planet as human beings, um, trying to understand the spiritual forces that are being afflicted upon us from high places, how are we supposed to get through all this? We are, we are tested. We are persecuted. Um, we go through trials and tribulations, but we have a comforter and we have a teacher. So let's go to James 12, James uh, 1.12. James 1.12, and I'm going to read through it. <clears throat> now, it says here, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, I went over this last week. This is the crown we're speaking about. We're going to speak about uh, several crowns in, this, in these episodes. But the crown that we're talking about is specific to the crown of life. Now, he's saying, let me read it again. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, meaning you that are listening. And being a believer in Christ, because that's the audience he's speaking to. He's speaking to Jewish believers. He's saying, when you endure temptation, for when you are tried, you shall receive the crown of life, which God has promised to them that love him. So as a Christian believer, back then, he's telling them, hey, endure temptations, endure persecutions. Why? Because when you do, you will receive the crown of life. 
that is a spiritual crown. Now we have to understand, now verse 13, he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and neither tempts any man. Very, very important. God is not doing it. Stop blaming it on God. He's not doing it. It's when man moves away from out of the light of God and wants to do his own thing that you become open season for the enemy. You've brought it upon yourself. Okay, so let's 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 reel this back. Episodes, it's not supposed to be easy. Okay, we understand we're going through persecutions and trials and tribulations. Most of the problems we bring, we bring on ourselves. It's not God. So stop saying it. And then verse 14 says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. And enticed, and, and lust means desires. And he says, verse 15, then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. So he's giving us a categorical, linear way of understanding what does lust bring? If I was to ask that question, what does lust bring? You'd say, uh, bring forth sin. What does sin set bring? Uh, sin brings forth death. Why? Because we are out of the comfort of God. So the things that we're doing, the persecutions that we go through are based off of our needs and our desires. But it's we're going our own path. Then he says, do not ear, my beloved brethren. Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variable, neither shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from our father in heaven as a believer in Christ. Now, once again, it's very, very important that we, we understand this was not to unbelievers back then. This was to believing Jewish Christians. So understand that as a believer in Christ, you know this to be true. And then verse 18 says, of his own will, he begot the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of his creation. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, let's, let's see that again. See, James is very, very analytical here. What are some of the things that can get us out of the light of God? He says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, he's given us, he's given us a guide here. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. What does that mean? That means if we are quick to speak, right? Or if we are quick to wrath, or if we are uh, slow to hear, just doing the opposite of what he said, that can endure persecution. That will alter persecution if we're running our mouth too quick, if we're not listening to the people in front of us, if we're not, uh, uh, we're, if we're not, if we're jumping at everything that's so anger, impulsive decisions, that's how we can bring on the wrath of God. But James says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, meaning Someone says something to you. They come to you with some anger or something. Okay, what? what's, why? Okay, I'm not going to just react. 
Okay. I'm not going to just react. I'm going to be swift to hear. What's the next thing? Okay. I'm not going to just say something out of my mouth. I'm going to be slow to speak. And then what's the next thing? Okay. You know, I'm not going to just get angry and impulsive. I'm going to be slow to wrath. Okay. Understand. And then he says in the next verse, we're going to 27, just to let you know, 20 for the wrath of man work is not righteousness of God. He says for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. All of that anger, all of that animosity, all of that is not going to produce the righteousness of God, meaning it doesn't produce his grace. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So we have to be a part of all of that, all of that sinful, lustful path and route that we take. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He says, be doers of the word, meaning you have to read it. If you don't read it, how can you do it? And he's telling these to Jewish believers. So you have to read the word in order for you to do it. But if you don't read it, you can't do it. The next thing is verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way straightway, forgetting what manner he was. What does that mean? Think about this. He's looking, you're a man looking at yourself in a glass and you don't know who you are because you've gone out, you've gone out stray completely from where you are. Your path is completely off. Have you ever just woke up and said, I don't even know where I am. What am I doing? What path am I on? Like what in the world? Well, that's exactly what he's speaking about. This is where you can go if you're outside the, the realms of God. 25, but he who, whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues there, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in all his deeds. So he's given us this analytical understanding of, okay, this is what you are. This is what you receive. Once you receive the crown of life, he's, he's talking about this in, in sequential order. You're receiving the crown of life because you're going through temptation. You're going through persecution. And let me give you some steps, things to stay, things for you're not going to stumble. He's telling us about lust. He's telling us about sin. He's telling us about death. He's telling us, don't be angry with, if, don't be angry when you go through something because it's not God, right? He's, he's given us a guideline, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He's given us, hey, you know what? Be apart from fluidness or superfluity, uh, naughtiness or receive the meekness of the engrafted word. He's giving us all of these details. And then at the end, he says, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Blessed in his deed, meaning he's blessed in his hands, meaning he's blessed in his, in his mind. Very, very important. Very, very important. Okay? So as we are, as we are looking at this, we're looking at, okay, wow, if you, anyone's going through persecution right now, first thing that, that I take away from this particular scripture is don't blame God. Don't blame God. And being a Christian believer, if you are going through persecution, you're going through fi fiery trial, don't blame God. We have received the crown of life, and we're going to go over that crown, okay? We're going to go over what does that actually mean? 
Um, I think it's very, very important. We'll go through that in a bit, but crown of life, of living, very, very important. The next thing I want to get into, and we will come back, is let's turn to Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10. Now, we haven't talked about Revelation much on the podcast. We're going to do a whole segment on Revelation. Um, Revelation was one of the first books that I read all the way through uh, years and years ago. Um, So, yeah, let's go to Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10. And I want to first, actually, I first want to read the beginning of Revelation. Uh, Just as Genesis is the book of beginnings, Revelation is the book of consummation. And it, the divine program of redemption, is brought to fruition. And the holy name of God is vindicated before all creation. Although there are numerous prophecies in the Gospels and Epistles, Revelation is the only New Testament book that focuses primarily on prophetic events. Its title means unveiling or disclosure. Thus, the book is unveiling of the character and the program of God penned by John during his exile on the island of Patmos. Revelation centers around visions and symbols of the resurrected Christ, who alone has authority to judge the earth, to remake it, and to rule it righteousness. Rule it in its righteousness. So that's a little bit of the picture of the book of Revelation. Also, to give you a little bit of of just how heavy the book of Revelation is, there's some pastors and preachers that won't even preach in Revelation. They won't even go to Revelation to preach in it because of just how much it disturbs, it deters the congregation. Uh, that's how heavy the book of Revelation is, but it is in the Bible, meaning we read it. Um, so Revelation 2.10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days before thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Again, the reference of crown of life. And in the reference, you also see that Matthew 10, 22 is referenced and Matthew 2, uh, 24, 13 is referenced. And we already have that reference of James 1, 12, which we've already read. They are making references because these are very, very important points. So Revelation is the book of prophetic events. Prophetic is to see forward, okay, to write what the Lord is giving you forward. Very, very important that we understand that. So he says, fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation for 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Prophetic events in our life, things that are going on before us that we don't know that God has a hand in. We have to understand that we, once we go through it and we've we've persecuted through it, we will receive the crown of life. And these are for believers. So let's go back real quick. Let's go to Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 22. We'll go over some of the references that we have in here. Matthew 10, 22. Okay, because these references are in the Bible, that means that they're very, very important. If you see one scripture reference another, you want to connect the dots. So you want to go to that next one. So let's go to Matthew 10, 22. In Matthew 10, 22, 
He says, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Woo! He's telling you, Jesus is telling you in his words what you are to deal with. I'll read it again. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Now, he's, he, who is he saying that for? He's saying that for Christian believers. He, he didn't say for anyone else's sake. He said for his name's sake, those that profess the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. Very, very important concept right there. Matt, he, doesn't, he doesn't say if you grumble and you complain and you give up and you faint, then you will be saved. He says, no, no, no. You will be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Not endure to almost the end. Not endures to halfway through the end. All the way to the end. And then we have Matthew 24, 13. Let's go to Matthew 24, 13. These are good scriptures to write down. If you want to reference them later on, very, very important. Matthew 24. Mm -hmm. 24, 13. Let's go to 24, 13. 24, 13. 24, 13. He says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. He references it again. He's telling us that there is an end. This is not going to live. You're not going to live forever on this, on this planet. There is an end. And understand that those who persevere to the end will be saved. He's given us, when we look at that, when we look at that, that context in scripture, it's very, very important that we follow where we are seeing the same references. It's all throughout the Bible. How one reference is, is related to another. The close relationship between each one. Very, very important. Now, as we've talked about this, right, hopefully you're getting a broader view of that it's not supposed to be easy. Why? Because we see in Scripture that it's telling us that it's not supposed to be easy. Death, it can be death. But we are to persevere to the end. That is, that is what we are supposed to do here. John 10, 10. All right, that's the next one. Let's go to John 10, 10. A lot of scriptures. Got to go through them. John 10, 10. And in John 10, 10, he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Okay, who is he talking about? The thief. He's talking about the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says, I am come. He's talking about, he's, now the I am is Jesus, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So he's not just telling us that he gives life. You know, the references of Jesus as being the living water which we'll speak about as well. Jesus had a lot of different references of to who he was to us. But then he also adds to it and says that they might have life more abundantly, meaning living here, having Jesus is not only going to give you life, but it's going to give you life more abundantly, more joy, more and, and pleasure, more love, 
more abilities to, to share and, ch- and be charitable. He's not just telling us that we're going to have life. We will live. We can live in him. But he's also telling us he gave us extra. He says that you are to have it more abundantly. What does that mean? Does that mean that when people see you and they see the light in you, that they're going to, they might envy you, that it might attract more individuals that are, are not that way. And that might want to hate you or despise you or use you. Yes. Unfortunately it does. Cause that's the world we live in, but we have to understand that we as Christians know this to be true. So we're not walking around frivolously. We understand that there are people out there that are, that are going to do that. And they're not, It's not the person, right? It's not necessarily the vessel. It's the spirit that's behind it. Understand, the thief comes not to, but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. I had this conversation not too long ago this week, actually. Um, I said, hey, look, the enemy, whatever he can't kill, he will try to steal or destroy. Destroy your legacy. Destroy who you are. Destroy your influence. Take your job. Whatever, he's, whatever he can't kill, he'll try to take everything else. And how do we know that to be true? Let's look at Job. God told Job, God told uh, the devil, hey, look, you just can't kill him. Can't kill him. He took his family. He took his influence, his friends, his kids, his wealth, his health. He took everything from him, but he didn't give him death. He had to endure the entire thing. Now, we all, now those that have read through Job understand that that's such a powerful, if you haven't, I'd put it on your list. It's an Old Testament book. I'd put it on your list. Read through it. If you're going through persecution, I'm sorry, Job is just amazing to read through because it's so poetic and it's so beautiful as a person is going through some of the worst things that none of us on this planet will ever endure, what Job went through and how he still speaking about how wonderful God is, it's it's absolutely amazing to me as you read those words. But understand this, that the enemy stole and destroyed Job's life. He didn't kill him, but he stole and, 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 and destroyed Job's life. And when it was up, when the time was up, Job got everything and more back. Everything and more back. Because it was God's promise. Okay, so we got to understand that um, when we're reading through, we see John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes not to, but for to steal, kill and destroy. Understand that the enemy as a believer in Christ has targeted you. He's targeted you. You know, you could think of yourself, <laughs> you could think of yourself on, on a bulletin board with your face on it in a circle around your face with a target. Think of it like that, <laughs> okay? You can think of it with that level of granularity and detail. Think about it as a, as a profile that's put on you, who you are, your height, your weight, your length, your job, your occupation, your demographics. Just think of it that way. That's how the enemy has you. And But you know what? When you have God in your life, there's certain things that they can't do. You, there's, there's certain stuff that will happen to you. Why is because you move out of your you move out of the, the light of God, which happens. We all do it. All of us can say that. No one's ho- too holy to say that they have not done it. That is a lie. 
But just think of it this way. As it pertains to the enemy, you are on a, a bulletin board somewhere. Whether you are listening to this in America or you're listening to this somewhere in Calcutta, you are on someone's, if you are a believer in Christ, you are on some person's bulletin board. Now that person might not, it might not be real. It's spiritual. Okay. Understand that you have been identified, categorized, and, but understand that our God is greater. As long as you understand and you walk around this world saying, you know what, it's not just about frivolous and, oh, I can do this or I can do that. And I'm not going to ever be persecuted. There's no trial or anything. That is wrong. That's a fallacy because the Bible does not tell us that that's the way that it goes. It tells us that we are to go through trials and tribulations as believing in Christ. Jesus says, man will hate you in my name. He explicitly says it. Man will hate you in my name. It, it when, when we talk about, and, and that's why, you know, as we go through <laughs> the speaking about crowns, Right, you receive the crown, but no one wants to go through the persecution. No one wants to go through the trials or tribulation. But you want to receive the crown, though, and that's fine. But are you going to hold the crown? Are you going to hold the fort? Okay, understand that this is very, very important. Now, when we we talk about this, we think about, uh, and and we we think about. He says in ten in ten ten, right? He says that they might have life. What is life? Now, uh, the internet tells us life is a quality that distinguishes matter that has biological processes, such as signaling and self-sustaining processes from that which does not and is defined by the capacity for growth, reaction, stimuli, metabolism, energy transformation, and reproduction. That's what basically the online version of what life means. Jesus was speaking about that he is the life. We see different references, as I spoke about, as Jesus being living water. So if, you're, if, you, if you think about this, when we think about life, it's not just this mechanical process of self-sustaining uh, processes or mechanisms. Jesus gives us life because he gives us freedom in Christ. We are not just biological flesh and blood. We are spirit, those that believe, as we are reading into this. When we think about what is living, what, did it, what does it mean to live? That is a completely different question. So we, we, we see this as we are thinking about believers in Christ, when we're thinking about, okay, we know what death is, right? But what does it mean to live? Okay, it's very, very important that we're, we're putting and connecting these dots. Now, John 4.10, John 4.10, as we're going through it. Now, if you have any questions, you can put them in the chat. Uh, but here, John 4.10 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that says to them, Give me the drink thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given the living water. And he's talking about himself. How you can continue to thirst, right? When, you, when your mouth gets dry or parched, you go and get some water. When you get hungry, you, you go and you order food to eat. 
but who is nurturing your spiritual needs? Woo, woo, woo. Okay, who is nurturing your spiritual self? If you try to grab maybe that motivational speaker offline, or you are listening to someone who continues to, to pump up and gas you up, that one person or that two people or those three, those three people, those people can, they'll fade away. Who's nourishing your spiritual self when you are out of food to eat, out of drink to drink? Your spiritual man is dwindling without God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Filling up your spiritual man. That is what he's speaking about. Now, think about signs of living water. People search for water. People are searching for water. They've been searching for water on Mars, right? Other planets are looking for water. Why? Because water is one of the basic elements of life. And Jesus knew that. He knew it because he was God. So if we're thinking about all these planets, we're looking to search and we're, we're looking for life on other planets. Some of the things that we look at for sustainability, one of the most fundamental resources that we look for, elements and compounds, is water. And Jesus references it right in scripture as he is the living water. He is the one that can bring life when there is rock. Understand that when we when we're dealing and we're grappling with situations, it's not only, okay, I got to get more food or I got to get, um, I got to, I got to get on my technology and feed my mind with technology or with TikTok or with social media. You're not filling your spiritual man. You're, you're filling your flesh. The same thing that you have water with, or, or you have bread or wine or food. But when we talk about spiritual needs that is jesus and only jesus so when we're dealing with spirit when we're dealing with persecution are you going to run and and go get food because you're a social eater because you, when a problem occurs you deal with it by eating more food or you deal with your problems or persecution or trials or fiery uh, situations by doing something else that takes you away from jesus when what you should be doing is reading the word of God to fill your spiritual man. Think about that the next time that you get into a, a fiery trial. Am I actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing to help my spirit get out of this situation? Now let's turn to John 6.35. John 6.35, which we were just speaking about with bread. 6.35, he says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes in me shall never thirst. He explicitly says it right here. Yes, you will hunger without him. You will thirst without him. He understands that you need bread and that you need water and that you need things. But he's telling you, he that believes on me shall never thirst spiritual thirst, meaning you don't have to always go to that spiritual motivational speaker because you want to you wanna get going in life. Okay, you got to listen to that music to really, really pump you up all the time and to move you. He's talking about, look, you can have all those things, but the spiritual needs that you need, 
is from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are two. Now, once again, let me just refrain. These are for believers. Those that do not believe will not understand this context. They'll have trouble grappling with it. Like, wait a second, hold on. So you're telling me if I'm thirsty or that I'm hungry, like that I, I'm going to, like that's, I, okay, I understand that. But what is what is what is Jesus telling us? He's telling us that there are separate components to our physical and our spiritual needs. I can break it down to you that way. He understands that there are thirsty. He understands that there are there's hungry. But then he's also telling you and he's introducing you to that there's also a spiritual need. Now, there are a lot of different needs, desires that we want, but he's telling you that he is the main spiritual need of all of what you need. And if you don't understand that, or if that's not clear, we can go through scriptures together and we can gather those from here. Again, let's go to now. Now, think about this, right? As a, as a believer in Christ, you obtained your spiritual crown. You got it, right? Okay, I'm going to go through persecution, trials, and tribulations. What does that mean? To be on guard. All right, you go to work. Things are occurring. You go, uh, you go out into the world. Somebody cuts you off. Whatever it is, you're on guard. Okay, I'm a believer in Christ. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen to me. They're going to happen for me. But I gotta, I'm doing it with God. I'm not immediately evoking my my flesh when something occurs and we talked about that because james said slow to wrath right slow to speak quick to hear we got that formula we have that method down which was to told to us now the next thing is you will suffer let's go to let's go to second timothy 212 second timothy 212 Okay, again, if you are not writing down these scriptures, write them down. It's very, very important. When you're going through trials and tribulations, you want things to go to. You're not going to, if you're going through a persecution, you're going to go to Google and be like, well, how do I handle this situation? Let me see how to handle it. And I, you know what? You can go right on Google and find a lot of different recommendations and suggestions about it. But you go and you follow what God says about what to do in this situation. Oh, you'll feel a whole lot better because you know you got him with you. You know he's your Lord and Savior. So 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.12, 2 Timothy 2.12 says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Woo! Woo! Man, aren't those some words? Wow. That's important. That's important wisdom. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? People ask me why I suffer. Why going through persecutions I suffer? And I say, and I, I say, hey, look, it's because I'll reign with them too. Yeah, it says it right here. If I suffer, I hold the ground, I will also reign with him. Now, when we look at if statements, they are conditional statements. If, 
So it's very, very important we're looking at this, as we're looking at this in the English language, we understand the tenses, if, if we suffer. It's a conditional statement, meaning we are not going to suffer all the time. We shall also reign with him. If is another conditional statement, we deny him, meaning there are going to be some people that deny him. There are going to be some people that do not deny him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Right? There was no else st statement there. There was just the if statement. We can continue to read. And then in 13, he says, if we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. <laughs> That's 2 Timothy 2, 12 through 13. Very, very important to understand when we're understanding our salvation. As, a, as we receive our crown of life, we got our salvation. It's secure in Jesus Christ. And then we understand as we're continuing to move that we have to suffer with him because we also will reign with him. As we move on, uh, understand that you'll be targeted spiritually, but you have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You are subject to all of God's promises. We understand that to be true. Now, if we understand that we are subject to persecution, then how do we mitigate the risk? Which we, we, we could talk about this, right? How do we try to lighten the blow that we understand that we will get the persecution problems and the fiery trials that we, that we are put through? That's what a lot of us try to do. We try to mitigate the risk. Part of that plan is to read the scriptures and understand that it is going to happen. That's a part of, the, that's a part of half the battle. I understand that this is going to happen. Things are going to occur. So I have to be spiritually full of the spirit to take it. I have to be spiritually mature. Now let's go to 1 John 5. 1 John 5. 1 John 5 will get us some more insight as we are going through 1 John 5. 1 John 5, 3. 1 John 5, 3, he says, for this is the love of God, right? So if we, understanding that we're going to be subject to persecution, that we have to mitigate risks, right? Uh, how do we try to lighten the load? How do we try to lighten the blow that we understand that we're going to get? We understand that the persecution and the problem. So if a person was to ask me, if a person was to ask me, okay, how do I, okay, I understand. I got, I received the crown of life. I became uh, a believer in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I believe him to be my Lord and Savior. I understand I'm going to go through problems and situations and persecutions. How do I mitigate the risk? How do I, how do I not go through those things? And we see this in 1 John 5, 3. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. We keep his commandments. That's how we, we mitigate risk. We keep his commandments. We keep what he tells us to do. He says, verse four, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Woo! He's given us the path forward. For whatever is born of God has overcome the world, meaning we've overcome the persecutions and the trials and the tribulations, meaning we've overcome the devil, who we said and who we see, it says, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We've overcome him. He's done. He's finished. He's behind us. He's beneath us. He's behind us. Next verse. 
For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and that, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? This doesn't say every person in the world is going to overcome the world. This says, who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Talking to Christian believers. Talking to Christian believers. And he, then he says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and that it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three are one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He that believes on the son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not of God has made him a liar. Because he believes not the record that God gave his son. Wait a second. John has given us clear details about how to distinguish those in the world and those that are believing of God and those that are not of belief. This has given us a clear statement, okay? When we stick true to our faith, we are to believe these mechanisms, okay? So when we're going through trials and tribulations, we are not to reduce and say, you know what, I'm going to lose my faith. It is we are to believe and to stand fast to those things. And he states, he that believes in the son, and this is very, very important. He that believes in the son has the witness of himself. He that believes that not God has made him a liar. Meaning that there are people in the world that will claim to know Jesus Christ and not the son and not, and not, and not the father. Or to know the father and not the son. We see here that we have to acknowledge the Son to acknowledge the Father. And we have to acknowledge the Spirit because they are all one. Very, very important concepts that we take with us. Okay, we are to endure. What does that mean? That means as a believer, we have all that power as well. What do you think sits on your head being the crown of life? the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So being a believer in Christ, when you profess your faith in Jesus, you have direct access to the Father, direct access, no deviations, no distractions. And you have direct access to the Spirit. Very, very important we understand this. Very, very important. The next one that we touch on, we've got a couple of more, is Hebrews 12, 2 through 25, 2 to 15. Wow, 12. Wow, this is such a great. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself. Least you be wearied and faint in your minds. He's telling us, let's not faint when we go through certain things. You have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastising of the Lord. He's, he's saying, don't despise when you are, when you're, when you come up against persecution, nor faint when thou art, when the Lord rebukes you. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scorns every son whom he receives. If you endured chastising, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is whom the father who has not chastised? But if you are without chastisement, wherefore all partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Meaning a person that goes through uh, persecutions and trials and tribulations, you're his son. You're his son. It's a part of it. There's no separation. You can't get out of this without it. It's about understanding. It's about taking a different, it's using the biblical worldview of, of the life that you live. And it's about understanding that you are going to go through it. But it's about how you see it. Isn't that important to know? And and what and what the Bible is is explicitly saying that if you do not go through it, meaning you're not his son. That because he, I mean, this is this is also saying that you that are not going through it, you're a liar. Either you're not saying it or you're not truthful. Verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. He's talking about our earthly fathers. How do they correct us? Belts, spankings, uh, so many times. <laughs> I've been corrected a lot. So, and he says, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much be better and subject unto the father of the spirits and live? Respect? For they verily for a few days chastise us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness, meaning our spiritual father in heaven will give us the same exact licking that our, our, our earthly father will give us. And we have to understand, he says, now no chastising for the present seem to be joyous, but grievous. Right? It doesn't always feel good. It feels bad. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Trained. Meaning, when we go through trials and tribulations, it is to train us. So that brings us full circle as it's, it's not supposed to be easy that the things that we are going through, the trials and tribulations, are to be training for us. Yes, persecutions are bad. They're grievous. They're tough. They can feel like getting spanked <laughs> when we were a young child. They can feel like a persecution. They can feel like, okay, you can't go outside. You got to go to your room. They can feel that way. But we see here, I'll read, I'll read verse 11 again. Now no chastising for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto which are exercised and trained. Think about it. Are you going through a persecution because you are being trained in the spirit? Oof. 
Ooh. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I know that if I know I'm going through something, I have to look at it through my biblical worldview, my biblical lens. And my biblical lens, my biblical senses tell me that if something has happened to me in the physical realm, then I know, and I know God is my creator. He's my Lord and Savior. That anything that occurs to me is not going to be, it's not going to be uh, to my disadvantage. That whatever he does for me, it is for me. And that maybe it's something I have to be trained in. Maybe it's something that I have to be better at. And I take it that way. And, you know, I think about this in the essence of um, me, myself being a trainer. You know, I've been a trainer for a long time and um, I've worked with a lot of kids. I worked with a lot of adults. And I think about the way that I look at, I look at them, right? They, they are this vessel, right? And they want, they have a goal in mind. And that goal in mind is to be better and in basketball or in that sport in which they've picked our conditioning, they have this image of themselves that, that they can't fully see yet. I have an idea as a trainer, but I, I, I really don't know either. I just have an idea of what the mechanisms are and the functions and the parameters. And I have an idea of, of what it takes to get there. But in actuality, as a trainer, we really don't know what the full product looks like. We have ideas, we have functions and mechanisms, but we actually really don't know, right? So God is training us. He's exercising our senses. He's shaping us. He's molding us. And what is he, what is he doing it for? It's for Christ. It's for us to be trained and to be more like him every single day. So yes, it's not supposed to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. To do that without God and without Jesus is abysmal. But to do it with them is love and grace. It's amazing. I've been through it. I've seen it firsthand. Now, as we're coming to a close, I just want to, I want to touch on the last, one of the last things that we spoke on. Um, you know, I think about being a trainer and I think about, uh, about knowing that, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot of talented people in my life, but they all can get better. And one of the first things I asked, you know, this year, one of the first things I asked this year, uh, being a trainer, one of the first things I asked was, um, I asked one of the students, I said to them, I said, do you think you can get better? And, and she replied, and she replied, yes. And, I, and that reply immediately gave me foresight into, okay, this person actually believes that they can get better. So now let's put together a program, functions and method, mechanisms and methods and, um, and, and, and trying to actually actualize that. There are some people in this world that are 60 years old that want to go still get their diploma or they want to go get a degree. They're 30 years old. They want to go get their, yes, because you know what? You can get better. You can be trained. You can be exercised, right? We understand that to be true, but we don't always make the right decisions on that. So understand that when, when we are going through things, it's not, okay, people are picking on us. We have to look at it. 
through a biblical lens. Okay, because it's not supposed to be easy. It's going to be difficult. We saw that in full today. We have many scriptures that speak about how it's going to be difficult. When you receive the crown of life, and that's just one of them. Now, now John uh, 15, 1, I mean, this is one of the greatest depictions of what chastising could be, but what it produces. And John 15, 1 states, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He's talking about believers. You are clean through the word, the word that I'm speaking to you right now. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Meaning those that want to go out and do things on their own, you're not going to bear much fruit. Except it abides in the vine. So the branch that abides in the vine will abide with fruit. Now he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Me and you and those that are listening. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you cannot do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He gave us right there, Jesus gives us a depiction of those that go out on their own. He says that you will wither, men will gather you and throw you in the fire. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. He gives us an ultimatum. He says, he tells us what happens if we go out on our own. And then he shows us and says, this is what you will happen if you abide in me, anything you ask of me, you will receive. Ooh, that just warms my soul. But we also got to understand as we're reading these words, as we're reading these words, he's telling us, he's giving us a, a path forward. Whereon is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my, my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments, abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And remember we talked about, okay, we gave you an idea of how do you mitigate risk. We talked about how you're supposed to keep his commandments. One of his main commandments that God that Jesus tells us is to love one another as you loved you. So it's very, very important as we're going through these trials and these tribulations and these persecutions is that we still keep his commandments, even though that we are going through these things. And one of the main commandments he says is to love one another as he has loved you. He says, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Wow. Wow. 
he's telling us that we are no longer servants, meaning there was a point in time where we were servants. We were slaves. But he's telling us we are no longer slaves, that we are no longer servants, but we are friends. People might ask the question, well, how do you have access to that information? How do you have access to that knowledge? I will tell them it is through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gives us straight access to the Father who knows all things, who sees all things, who's omnipotent, who's omniscient, who's omnipresent. And he tells us right here, why do I know that? It's because I am a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I am his son. And then he goes on in verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. This is the second time we talked about where Jesus says the world will hate you. And he says, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they say, will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Meaning you're going through all these trials and tribulations with people that might not be non-believers. They might be people that their entire life they have been in sin and don't know God. And he's telling you that. He's, he says he knows it. And he says that he that hates me hated my father also. He's talking about God. If I had done, not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and had hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written by the law. They hated me without a cause. They say, and, and this is, we're in verse 25 right now. He says, without a cause, because Jesus did not sin. Without a cause, he did not sin. He says, but when the comforter is come, whom I send unto you, the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you shall also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Oof, what an unbelievable way to finish, to understand that when we go through trials and tribulations, this is the person who we have who is interceding for us. A man with no sin, man in God our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to go into next is, I just want to, you know, thank you for sharing this time with me today. This is the conclusion of our episode two of five, as we are going through the crowns of life. We're not just speaking about the great things of the crowns that we are receive, that we receive, right? I understand, you know, having the crown of life, that I have access to Jesus, that Jesus is my friend, Jesus is in me. But I also know that I have direct access to the Father, which we see, he says, anything I ask in his name, I will receive. That is extremely important, but it also, for me, it gives me the humility to understand that there is, there is a God who, who stands before me on the throne. It, it, it makes me so humble at the things that I say out of my mouth the things and the thoughts that I feel, it humbles me dearly because of the things that I know and the things that God has shown me. 
I understand that I have that access, but I also know that it comes with unbelievable responsibility. We all have that, being believers in Jesus Christ, but we all are called to suffer as well. Now, it's been wonderful to serve you in these scriptures. I want to ask a simple question. Do you know Jesus? Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that Jesus died and was raised on the third day? And do you believe that you're a sinner and need a Savior? If these things uh, you are struggling with and still struggling with, and you want to come to Christ, please reach out to me. Um, you have my email. We'll have, we'll have my email in the, in the group. You'll have my email in the show notes. Um, understand that if you are a person that wants to know Jesus more and wants to, 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 to come to Christ, to reach out to me, that there's a way forward and you do not have to be stuck in your sin. But reading through um, some of the great things that we, that we obtain and we receive as believers in Christ, our Lord Jesus, that we are going to go through persecution. I want to thank you. I want to end it with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for this time today. I pray that I was led in the right direction of the scriptures. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the people that are going to be dealing with fiery persecution, trials, and tribulations, accusations that are put before them, that they remember in their hearts who got persecuted first, who the lies and the accusations and the trials and tribulations happen to first, and that we have a mediator, we have an intercessor in Christ. So Heavenly Father, I pray for the health of those that are dealing with issues. I pray for um, friends that have listened and those that have stayed on and those that have continued, I just continue to persevere through trials and tribulations that they do not drop their crown, that their crown is firm on their head. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for being here with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for, for being here. I appreciate you. Um, if you have any questions, please reach out. Uh, we are on next week for episode three. Be on the lookout for episode three. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.